last Sunday, I asked for prayers for my friend Brandon and his family. Brandon's brother Justin died 10 days ago. Justin was 35, and he leaves behind three children. On Thursday, I went down to Indiana for his funeral, and I'm grateful I could be there. Justin was a heroin addict, an addiction that finally killed him. He was in and out of recovery for a decade. He went to Florida for rehab and then California for rehab. He was active in Narcotics Anonymous, NA, a recovery support group. And that group follows this 12-step program that most recovery groups follow. And the fourth step of that program is this, to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of our lives. To look in the mirror and not look away. To be honest about what we see. To be honest about what lives in us. To be honest about our brokenness and our failure. Jesus asks each of us to take that same step. To make a searching and fearless moral inventory of our lives. The last two Sundays we've heard from Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount. We've heard uh, his blessings for the weak and the persecuted. And last Sunday we heard the high calling he gives his disciples. And he says, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But at that point in the sermon that we heard today, Jesus begins to turn up the heat. And his voice changes from a gentle encourager to a fiery preacher. And he begins to talk about God's law, the Old Testament, the commands that God gives his people to keep. And Jesus says, I have not come to throw out the law. Don't make any mistake. <laughs> I'm not here to make it easy for you. <laughs> Don't get confused. I haven't come to throw away the law. I've come to fulfill the law. And Jesus shows us what that means. I need three volunteers. Andrea, Nathaniel, anyone? Francoise, thank you so much. Come on up. Let's give them a hand. All right. All right. So, Francoise and Andrea, I want you to hold each end of this bar, okay? Why don't you come more to the middle here? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, Nathaniel, why don't you stand here? Um, you can hold the bar as low as you can go there. All right. <laughs> Did you hear Nathaniel? Oh, no. <laughs> so let's say this bar represents God's law, the commands that God gives us. Don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't get a divorce unless you have a certificate. Don't break the promises you've made to God. So, Nathaniel, do you think you could jump over that bar? 
You want to give it a try? All right. Well done. Good job. Okay. Now, Jesus, you can come back around, Nathaniel, if you want. So Jesus is just getting warmed up, though. Jesus uh, begins to raise the moral bar. Why don't we come up just, just a bit there? That's good. Jesus says, you, you've, heard, you've heard it said, don't commit murder. But I tell you, don't let the anger in your heart lead you to sin. Okay? So that, that raised the bar a bit. The law said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you, don't even look at someone with lust in your heart. Let's raise the bar. That's good. You, you've heard it said, don't, don't divorce without a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, if you divorce, the only reason is for adultery. So that, that, raises, that raises the bar. You've heard it said, don't break the promises you make to God. But I say to you, don't say anything unless you mean it with your whole heart. How high can we reach, ladies? Okay. Now, Jesus, he ends this section of his teaching in verse 48. We didn't read there, but you've heard what Jesus says. So be perfect. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Nathaniel, how are you feeling about jumping over this bar? <laughs> are you you're really going to try it? I don't want anyone to get hurt. <laughs> let's, let's thank them. Thank you all. So, thank you. Jesus is showing us God's... God's level of holiness. He's showing us the standard of God's perfection, God's purity, God's truth. And we have to look at our own lives and ask ourselves, can we jump over that bar? Can we do that? Jesus is asking us to make a searching and fearless moral inventory of our own lives. Has anyone's anger never caused them to sin? Raise your hand. Has anyone never looked at another person with lust in their heart? Can raise your hand. Has anyone never sworn so that someone else would believe what you were saying was true? None of us. None of us can raise our hand. Jesus is helping us to see what St. Paul would say to the church in Rome. Everyone has sinned. Everyone has fallen short. No one measures up to God's glory. None of us can reach to heaven. According to Jesus' teaching, this means that all of us are in danger of hell. All of us. And if that were the end of Jesus' sermon, if that were the end of the story, we might as well go home right now. We might as well give up. My friend Brandon gave a tribute to his brother, Justin, at the funeral. Can I share some of what 
Brandon said. My brother died of a heroin overdose. But wait, there's more to the story. There's always more to the story. For the past eight years, my brother fought this addiction with courage. Now, when someone battles cancer, we say they fought valiantly. We call them brave. We encourage them as they update us on their progress. And we grieve with them when there's a setback. And we should do this. Let's keep doing this. But when someone battles drug addiction, we shun them. We shame them. We ignore them. The result is that their intense inner struggle, for which the drug is just a temporary relief, is fought mostly in the cage of their own lonely souls. If it weren't for a few unsuspected saints, mostly in recovery groups, the loneliness itself would kill them before the drugs. What I've learned much too late is that their fight is every bit as brave and valiant and honorable. Now, I understand the analogy with cancer patients breaks down. Addicts like my brother make certain choices, terrible choices, that lead to tragic consequences. And Brandon pointed to his brother's body in the casket. But recovering addicts like my brother also make choices that deserve medals, and we tend to overlook that. These are the kinds of choices most of us never have to make because we're afraid of the truth. But Justin made the choice to stare his demons in the eyes and fight them with every resource God provided. N.A. calls it a searching and fearless moral inventory. Justin did that. How many of us are willing to do that? Justin chose to attend N.A. meetings. And not just attend, but show up with his true self, his authentic, vulnerable self. Even after he relapsed, he did the difficult thing of confessing to his N.A. brothers and sisters. And he made the choice every time to recommit to being sober. A valiant, brave, and honorable choice. Friends, there's always more to the story. The first step in the 12-step program is to admit that we are powerless, that we cannot manage our lives. As Jesus raises the moral bar into heaven, he invites us to admit, Jesus, I can't jump that high. <laughs> Jesus, I don't have the power. I'm not holy, I'm not perfect on my own. Why does Jesus do that? To discourage us? To make us feel weak and miserable? To condemn us to hell? Johnny read Deuteronomy 30 for us. And there's a call there to choose life, to choose blessings over curses. How do we make that choice? Listen to the end of the reading. And you will love the Lord your God. You will obey him. 
you will remain true to him. The Lord is your very life. The word in Hebrew, translated remain true, really means to cling, to cleave, to bond with, to join with. It's the same Hebrew word that's used in Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. And a man will leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, bond with his wife, join with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is the word of what it means to remain true to God, to cling to the Lord our God, to be joined to the Lord our God. The third step in the program is to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God. We do this by surrendering to the Lord, by giving our lives to the Lord. Because the only way we can reach that heavenly high bar is being joined to the Lord Jesus Christ who sits enthroned in heaven at the right hand of the Father to be united to this one who fulfills the law for us because we can't do it for ourselves. The one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The one who says, come with me. The one who wants to carry us to the very heights of heaven to be with the Father. Listen to what Jesus says in John's gospel. This is in chapter 14, just before Jesus will be arrested and crucified. And he's saying goodbye to his friends. He says this, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe in me also. There are many rooms in my father's house. If this were not true, would I have told you that I'm going there? Would I have told you that I will prepare a place for you? If I go and do that, I will come back and I will take you to be with me so that where I am, you will be also. You know the way to the place I am going. It's not an easy way, but it is the only way. Brandon ended his tribute to Justin with these words. Justin made one final choice, to be an organ donor. And even now as I speak, his heart beats in the body of another person. Jesus, Justin offered his heart so that someone else could live. That's how he lived, it's how he died, it's how he ought to be remembered. Valiant, brave, and honorable. The prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah, they saw Israel's own failure to, to live up to God's standard of holiness. But the Lord spoke through these prophets and made a promise that he would give Israel a new heart and a new spirit, a heart like his own heart, a heart that's slow to anger and full of love, a heart that's full of self-control and compassion, a heart that's pure and a heart that's true. And unlike us, the Lord always keeps his promises. The Lord has given us a new heart through his son, Jesus Christ. 
Friends, the heart of Christ beats in us by grace because we have been made one with him, one flesh, one flesh. Every Sunday we come to the table and we we eat the body and we drink the blood of our Lord Jesus. We are joined with him. We cling to him. We are made one with him so that his heart beats in ours and his blood flows in our veins. This is the only way for us to be with God. At Justin's funeral, there were about a dozen or so NA members who came, and they were sitting about here. They stood out because they had tattoos and piercings. These were Justin's friends. They were the ones who struggled with him. They were the ones who heard his confessions. They were the ones who forgave him. They were the ones who knew what it was to confess their own powerlessness, their own failure. They were the ones who knew what it is to struggle and to repent and to try again and to come back. For Justin, they were his community, a community of sinners seeking, struggling to become saints to overcome the sin in their lives. They were a community where each person is always more than the worst thing they've done. Friends, the church is called to be that sort of community, a community where each of us makes a searching and fearless moral inventory of our lives a community that is willing to confess and is ready to forgive. A community that doesn't turn anyone away because they've committed some sin, but a community that struggles together, that rejoices when we succeed and weeps when we fail. We are called to be this community. So if someone asks you, how how could I ever get to heaven? Invite them to cling to Jesus, to hold on to Jesus, and to come and hold on to us because we want to hold on to you. Because we know that the only way, the only way we'll reach heaven, the only way we'll, we'll share a life with God is through his son Jesus and by, by holding on to this community of sinners who are struggling, who are seeking to be holy as our God is holy. And we believe, friends, that Jesus will come back for us and he will take, him, take us with him to be where he is so that we can dwell with the Lord forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.